0: If you don't mind, could you close the doors uh, in the back? Whoever is there, that would be awesome. Thank you. All right. So, uh, clearly, a lot of you are here for our wives. Uh, and we just carried the suitcases, Brett and I. Uh, but, uh, but thank you for coming. Uh, we are grateful to have you. Uh, we actually... Uh, our, our, uh, I'll just introduce each of us here as we go. We'll introduce ourselves a little bit. But my wife Candace and I uh, and, and Brett and Beth Kreider have the honor of sharing this morning with you. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, this is the picture of our family. This is the Fatis. Uh, that little guy on the far right is our youngest and yet he's taller than all of us. Um, we have a college kid now and they're all disciples. So we're grateful and honored. Um, to, to be disciples and, and to be here to share our story with you. Um, we've each had uh, learned different perspectives on pressures in life. They'll be sharing with you and how they've turned into treasures. And, uh, and uh, so as we go, we will share a little bit more about our stories each. Um, so I'll go first, then my wife, then Beth, and then Brett.
1: Um,
0: Brett and I have known each other for 30 years, 31 in November. Uh, I was baptized as a teen in Boston. Wow. I was a senior in high school. It was just a couple of years ago. Uh, and 31 years ago. Uh, and, and and Brett was my second teen leader. And then I went to campus.
1: And then
0: I went to campus a year later. He was my campus minister. So... Uh, and then we've been friends through years and our families have become friends and, and uh, uh, we're just excited that we get to share this time with you uh, it's been a, it's been quite a journey uh, so uh, just really I have a couple of quick things I want to share with you and primarily what each of us as I said are going to share our are, are different areas of pressure in our life that we've been through and how they've turned into treasures and for me it's the area of career uh, you know If you don't mind, I want to share a little bit of story of what I've been through with that. Um, 15 years of the 31 years that I was a disciple, I was in the full-time ministry. And uh, I was an evangelist, did uh, mission work as well overseas, did a lot of things for the church. Uh, And yet, uh, a few years back, about five years ago, uh, we came out of working in the full-time ministry. And for me, uh, it was a time where my compass was spinning. Uh, it was a time where I, I had no idea what the direction is or where I'm going. Have you ever been in a time like that in your life? Okay. Maybe you haven't been in the full-time ministry, but you can relate to that, right? I mean, just, you go, well, what am I doing? Maybe you're there right now. Maybe you're just going, what, what, what's this job that I go to and spend more time there than anything else that I do? Uh, and and uh, just a very confusing time. And then after some trial and error... I got a great job uh, that I was managing a whole division. And after uh, a year and a half, they laid off the entire division. And I was a part of that. I actually had to lay everybody else off and then myself. Um, And I was unemployed for 10 months after that. Uh, So I I don't know. I don't know. For for men, maybe you can relate to this. In the scripture, it does say that men were were called to work the land. Mm -hmm. And and women with childbirth you know those were kind of the the challenges given to each of us and for men there's something about our careers that that and I'm not saying that it's not for women but for men specifically there's something about careers that if you feel like you're not producing and taking care of your family you're just useless that's what you feel like and and uh, that was the times that I've been through uh, through those things and felt a great deal of reward in being able to have a career, but the times that I haven't had it, it's been very challenging. Uh, so I got some valuable lessons through that and, and, and through those difficult times. I learned that we are not victims. Mm-hmm. We are victors in Christ. Amen. Amen. Romans 8 tells us very clearly that we're more than conquerors in Christ. And that's not, if you believe in the word of God, you can't just skip right over that. And yet often, when it comes to life, we can act like we're victims. Yeah. Right. We can talk about even our jobs or our situations in life as if these things happen to, it, to us. And yet, God is there all along. God is good. And He wants us, in those times of trials, to actually be ready. Yeah. So when we are not in trial, we're supposed to use those times to prepare. And I think oftentimes, when we get in trial, is when we start trying to prepare. <laughs> and then it's too late. And so that's the biggest lesson I've learned. You know, think about it. I want to share with you about a couple of examples from the scripture. When the Israelites were in the desert and their shoes didn't wear out. Their clothes didn't wear out. They had food at all times. God provided for them at all times. And I can tell you through those journeys of unemployment and challenges that I had, that was our case. By some miracle, we had more tide than we ever needed. We found a coupon that was like $9 off, and we could keep going and buying Thai the entire time. We had more toilet paper than we needed. We I found a coupon it. for $6 off, I see and, we just, and we had stacks of it. Yep. Our refrigerator was never empty, on, ever. It was full to the brim. See, see. You see, God provides in times of trial.
1: Yeah. Wow.
0: But I think as much as he provides, he expects us to prepare for those trials when times are good. Think about it, Joseph. In the years of drought, he was to prepare for the years of plenty. I'm sorry, in the years of plenty, he was to prepare for the years of drought. It was supposed to be seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. And yet, that is what was expected of him in those times of plenty, to be prepared for the times of drought. I think that's true about our careers. I'll touch on that here in just a second. Think of Daniel and his friends before going before the king. Mm -hmm. They were prepared by how they ate and what they drank. And they sanctified themselves and prepared themselves and so God blessed them. They didn't become like everybody else. When there were trying times, there were preparation times, they were different than everyone else and therefore God lifted them up when the times came for them to be lifted up. I think the same is true with our careers. We need to invest in times of plenty. When the hard times come, we can be ready. Amen. Yeah. You know, I'll take a side note on this and I'm probably gonna get some eggs and tomatoes thrown at me. But I think honestly, even when it comes to full-time ministry, we have some this notion that people get out of college and go straight into the ministry. And so they've spent four years getting a degree in electrical engineering. And then do ministry for the next five, ten years. And then they go, oh, I don't want to do this. And come out and nobody will hire them. How about a new notion? How about when you're done with your electrical engineering, you actually do a year or two work in that. And then go into full-time ministry. Because then if you need to go back, you can go, well, I'm an engineer. I just took some time off to serve. And I I think... That is what God wants for us to do. He wants us to prepare. Okay, that was a sidetrack. Forget it. I
1: have to get it off my heart. But when we prepare,
0: God will bless us beyond what we can imagine. Amen? He takes the pressure and He turns it into treasures. Ephesians 3.20 tells us now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. That's what the Bible says. So quickly, let me tell you, because my time is up before Brett throws stuff at me. The rest of the story beyond our wildest dreams is what's happened. You know. Now, I've been able to go back and help so many others get employed through what I've learned. With the comfort I've received, I've been able to comfort others. Uh, We lead a house church in Northern Virginia Church. We, uh, I mean, I I helped serve with the digital media ministry for the entire church. Um, Been fruitful every year throughout those years of being unemployed. And yet God provided through that. And probably one of the most coolest things is about three years ago, I got hired by Microsoft and now I'm a senior project manager at Microsoft, managing million-dollar account, multi-million-dollar accounts. But here's the coolest part. March of this year, it was actually earlier this year, an email came out asking for inspirational stories of life. And this was from the vice president. And so I sent mine in about what I've been through as a refugee, becoming a disciple, and all of that. I wrote it all in, and how I got to Microsoft. They asked me to speak. <laughs> March of this year, March 1st, I spoke in front of 1,500 leaders of the company, vice president on down, sharing my conversion story. God has been so good. How would I have ever thought of that? Five, six, seven years ago, impossible. So through those times though, God has produced some treasures and this is the last thing I'll say, the treasures of friendships. You know, these people that you see on this screen—these are some of my best friends in the whole world. Because through those times of trials, they were right by my side, and, and it's produced relationships that have, that will last a lifetime. We celebrate every birthday together, and, and this—my birthday is this Sunday. And so every every year, we all get together and have this big blast. Uh, Brett does his, I do mine, and we we'll go back and forth. Uh, but but it's true that through the times of trial. Treasures are born. Amen? Amen? All right, enough of me. My, the, the real reason you came here are wives. So, I, my beautiful bride is going to come up and share, and she's going to te- share a little be- a be- a be- a about the wife's pre- perspective about pressures through the, the times of trial.
2: <laughs>
3: <clears throat> Gentlemen, feel free to give up your seats if you see a woman that you can do. No pressure. No, no, no pressure. pressure. Only no. <laughs> for we'll a gentleman. That's pressure. No pressure, Less pressure.
4: Get up. Okay, so so I wanted to share the spouse's perspective. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. When, when Bizad was going through his 10 months of, of unemployment, and then when we came out of the full-time ministry, we, uh, we were really literally underemployed. Uh, but, but, uh, yeah, we were underemployed for a whole year, and uh, one of the things that I really wanted to share about the time, um, from my perspective, is that it's super important that we have empathy for our spouse. I think empathy is so important. Um, you know, your 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 husband looks at jobs. Or your spouse looks at a job, or even yourself, if you're single, you're looking at your job as your identity, as your way to be able to, pr- uh, you know, produce for your family. And it's it's the equivalent of a woman who is barren and not being able to have, you know what I'm saying? Guys look at jobs the way that we look at having children. And so... Um, you know, you would never, I hope, <laughs> you would never walk up to a woman who was barren and be like, get over it already. So what? baby. you know, foster a dog. I mean, I don't think you would ever say that. Right? Okay, so, so good, good. I'm in the right class. I'm in the right class. I'm among good people. Good. So in that sense, really having empathy for your spouse is super important. And really looking at it from um, their point of view, right? Uh, the other thing I was going to uh, share about was that, you know, um, it was really super important for me that I actually let Bezad know that his value didn't come from the paycheck that he brought to the house. The same way that I would hate it if he was like, "Uh, oh, when are you going to give me a son already? I've been waiting on you for like 7 years." <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Like all these girls, you're just bringing me girls. You know what I mean? I want a son. Right? That would be all- right, right. Look at Get silent. everybody. like, "What?" Right. Right. So, it's super important that when our spouse or our partner is going through that, um, I had to really have a lot of you know pillow talk. You know that, honey, it's okay. You still the man. You still Superman. You bring it. You bring it home the bacon. You know what I'm saying? You mean more to me than the paycheck. And that was super important to really build him up in that way. Um, so that he didn't get his value from a baby from I didn't get my value from a baby I didn't get my value from a paycheck we have intrinsic value and that's that's one of the things that I really wanted to share with you guys is that we have an intrinsic value and to use your time in the valley to find (laughs) to find you to, to find and discover the the purpose for why you were born God had an original blueprint when he made you. So in in Jeremiah 1.5, it says this in the message version. Before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day. So imagine this, you know, like if you've had kids, you're the first person besides the doctor that sees their face. Right? Mm -hmm. Before you were shaped in the womb, so before your mother even knew that she was pregnant with you, God knew you, knew all about you. Before the doctor saw your face, before your face saw the light of day, God says that he has holy plans for you, a prophet to the nations. That's what I had in mind for you. I think that we need to use our time in the valley to discover the reason why we were put here on this earth. And you you have to ask yourself during these times of pressure, okay, What did God have in mind when he was thinking of me? Right? Because we're all created twice. First in God's mind, then in the womb. Did you catch that? First in God's mind, then in the womb. Whatever happens in the womb, happens in the womb. But there's an original blueprint that God has in his mind when he thinks of you. And I had to ask myself, that is where my true identity is at. I had to strip it all back before I was a wife, before I was somebody's mother, before I was somebody's daughter. What did God have in mind when he was thinking, "Mm, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a Candace. (laughs) (laughs) And so you can look for the clues. You can ask yourself, well, what what were the gifts that God gave me in the crib? For me, it was my running shoes. Today it was an all-out war because I woke up late and I had to be at the beach in the water. And you know, my family was like, we gotta have breakfast. And I was like, I gotta go to the water. I gotta go to the water, I gotta go to the water. I was like, shaking, shaking. I gotta go to the water, like a fish. Like, like, I gotta go, I gotta go to the water. I'm late, I'm late. And uh, I had to put on my running shoes. I was born an athlete. Before I was somebody's mother, before I was somebody's wife, I have a heart for the poor in spirit, the mourning, the grieving, the people who feel invisible. My passion to stand up for those that don't feel like they have a voice. I've had that since I was little. My artistic talent, my love obsession with the brain, oh boy. My kids are so sick of neuroscience in my house. They're like, mommy, if you talk about a neuron one more time, I'm gonna... my brain's gonna explode. <laughs> but when I stripped it all, about, all all away, I came back to myself, who I am today. So now I have a special, uh, uh, a special education master's, a master's in special education. I just graduated, so cool, so cool, they actually uh, selected me to be the student speaker, (laughs) amazing, and then they streamed it live on YouTube, amazing, God has plans, Um, I created a for purpose company called Marvel Village, that's who you see right there, and we work with families that have exceptional needs. And then our family collaborated with a community nonprofit and we created an interactive. This is my son Javid's artwork. I designed the uh, characters and Javid uh, illustrated them, but it's an interactive, accessible book um, that we created uh, for uh, children with uh, different abilities. So, in conclusion, I'll just share this with you. Ask yourself. What are your talents and your gifts? Look for the clues. And then use your time in the valley to find God's new purpose for your life. But actually, it's the original purpose right. for your life. Amen. Now, Beth is going to share about finding pressures, finding the uh, treasures in parenting. Yeah. Thanks. Okay.
2: Come Okay, so I'm just gonna be totally open. Come
1: on, Beth.
2: I am feeling pressure. Can you stand up for a second? What? There's two things I'm feeling pressure about. First of all,
4: she's gorgeous. Can you see how this woman is dressed? <laughs> she's I, gorgeous.
2: I felt so much pressure. I, I said, My daughter will say, Mom, uh-huh. please talk to Candace about how to dress. Uh-huh. And Candace oh, said, Elena. You know, figure out your colors and then um, mm-hmm. wear flat shoes, but then during the talk, Find your cute shoes. I do not have cute shoes. The only pair of cute shoes I have, Candace gave to me. But I'm afraid I'm gonna fall, so I'm sorry. Those are my cute shoes. But she's so cute. She's so cute up here. Yeah. She's gorgeous. Yeah. And then and then I'm with people like Bayzad and Candace and my husband who do a lot of speaking and a lot of teaching. And I do not, so you're please right. bear with me. Uh, right. right. awesome. All right. So the picture you see here is um, half of our family. We're missing Logan. Logan Can you, you see it? Right. All right. Back and forth. Okay. Ah, there oh, there. Go. Okay, good. So these are our beautiful children. I've got Logan, um, the tallest one. He's 24. He works in the Pova Church. Woo-hoo. He leads the singles ministry and is just in love with it. Then I'll go to my next son, who's 22, Noah, and um, he is in Toronto, Canada and loves it, unfortunately. And um, he's actually doing an internship with the church, with the campus ministry, just graduated. Then in the middle is our gorgeous daughter, Elena. We adopted her from Cambodia at 15 months And um, she just graduated high school. She's an 18-year-old. And I'll share a little bit about her story and where she's at as well. Okay, so that's it. So I wanted to share a scripture in 2 Corinthians 1. And um, you probably know this one. Uh, A little bit ahead, uh, before 9, it says, We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death, But this happened that we may not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And I think for me, that has been the greatest lesson is how can pressure transform me and help me to be closer to God. And I really have felt that. Um, So I'm one of these people that I have a really hard time trusting God. I'm a fixer. And if something is wrong, I want to get in there and I want to fix it. And I don't, my nature is not to just go to God right away. Um, And especially when it involves my children. It's like I was talking to somebody last night. If my children are struggling, it's like, uh, and I struggle, which is not great. Because then I'm on the roller coaster with them. And my husband will constantly say, get off the roller coaster. It's really hard when, you know, when you love somebody that much. Um. And so me trying to fix the problem really never works. Right. And I think any of you who have done that, you, you know it's, it's not working for us. Right. Um, and I think God knew that I needed to let go and to trust Him. Yeah. And so I'm going to share two situations that have been recent. I mean, I've had several situations in my life that I could go back to, but these are two that have um, stuck out to me. Um, the first situation was, oh, you don't have there. Okay, so my son Noah, and he is fine with me sharing the story. Both my children are, just to say that. Um, so when he became a disciple at 13, and seemed like he was doing great, and then when he was 15, he came to us one day and said, I don't want to be a disciple. I don't even think I believe in God. Okay, right in the heart and so um i felt scared for him i um i tried to get everybody i could think of to get with him like calling people bringing them over to him um and you know it just wasn't working so he became he it steadily got worse he became very angry with us he would tell us we're the worst parents in the world You've ruined my life. You're going to ruin my do- Elena's life. Um, I hate you. Uh, he started doing drugs and drinking. Um, we were trying to install an alarm system. And we were talking to a company. And they're like, oh, nobody will be able to get in. I said, no, no, no. We want to make sure nobody gets out. Because <laughs> he was sneaking out. You know, we we were had a phone call in the middle of the night from the cops your son and his friends have taken this guy's car and they're 15 and you know we had to go down three in the morning and each time I think okay this is this is it he's going to change no that wasn't the case you know um it was like my greatest fears were happening it's like uh, you know is he going to do this and yeah it started to happen And during that time, somebody recommended a great book to me called Sacred Parenting. And I actually just found this other book that I would recommend um, by Stormio Martin called Praying for Adult Children. And in both of those, the concept is, the things your children are going through is for me. It's so that I can change. It's so that I can grow closer to God. Because I want to focus on them. How can I fix them? And God's like, no. This is where you learn to trust me. Because you can't do anything. You cannot fix this. This is their journey. And uh, that's hard. And um, so as I took the focus off of my son, I really learned how to grow in prayer. And I would cry, I would, when he would leave for school, I would go and pray in his room I'd pray all over his room. I'd get a Bible, and I'd put it because I'm like, God, let your word somehow get into it. I had a Bible underneath his bed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. The Holy Spirit's going to get in there somehow. And I uh, had this incredible sister, Elise Gaston. Some of you may know her, who was an incredible prayer warrior, and she was living with us at the time. Every morning we got up, and we prayed, and we prayed, and we begged God. And, um, yeah, it just, it really, really taught me so much in my prayer life. It taught me to call on the Holy Spirit. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is going to have to do this. I mean, yeah. The Holy Spirit is going to have to give me strength when I don't have it. And, uh, yeah, I just, I, that's all I could do. And, um, the scripture that I loved was in Second Chronicles twenty fifteen, where it says, um, First, he says, do not be afraid or discouraged. The battle is not yours, but God's. And a sister shared that with me, whose son had gone through a lot. She said, you have to remember this, that God is going to fight this battle. So, and I I also prayed, I I loved Hannah, and Hannah prayed, God, if you give me a son, he's yours. Right? And I was like, that's pretty amazing. Like, okay, I'm letting go of my son, and he's yours. I just want him to follow God. And I would pray that you know what, God, if you bring him back, whatever you want to do with him, wherever you want to take him, he's yours. Yeah, and God answered that prayer. He's in Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. God. Okay. And he's a big traveler um, as well. So what happened was we were, you know, trying everything we could, and uh, basically he wanted to get his permit to drive. And so we came up with this great plan. Um, he had done Youth Corps, and he had, yeah, I think he had done Youth Corps the year before. And we said, okay, you apply for Youth Corps and you go, and then you'll get your permit. And he was not happy. But so, honestly, it was God. He was like, fine, I'll fill out the form. And on it, you know, they asked, where are you at with God? And he was quite honest. I mean, my husband helped him, but. He was like, I don't know what I believe, and I just want to put a plug in for Youth Corps, Volunteer Corps. I'm telling you, it will change your life. It will change your child's life. And thank God for the couple that was leading it. He got in, and he wanted to go to Philly because oh, I know these people in Philly. But no God, so you're going to Dallas. He didn't want to go. Like, and he talked to a friend at school. And I mean, he was, this is somebody he was partying with. He's like, oh, my parents, they want me to go to this thing and so I can get my license. And the kid was like, go, just go, you know? And he was like, oh, all right. So we decided to go to Dallas. We called the leaders, She said, I'm going to tell you where he's at. It's not good. You may need to kick him out. <laughs> you know? And he said, and, th- and thank God for the vets, because they said, just send them down. Yeah. We- we've dealt with these kids before. Oh. We'll love up on them. And I thank yeah, yeah, yeah. God for them. Um, and for people that just loved my son through a lot. Oh, yeah. And so it was the time of the conference, the Texas conference, he he was out doing no good the whole conference. It was horrible for me, because I didn't know what he was doing. I hate it. I don't want to be here. Um, we're like, okay, God, just get him to Dallas. And, I mean, Brett and I, we, we hadn't had time alone. It was just really hard. And so this um, brother who we had met when we were in Cambodia, who no one knew, drove him down to Dallas because he lived in Dallas. So already God's working, you know. Mm-hmm. And then he went to the youth corps. And we were just, like, waiting for the phone call. We got to bring it. I'm sorry, we can't keep on. <laughs> right, right, right. But instead we got a phone call uh, halfway through. Come on. Come on. Glasses. Mom and Dad, I'm sorry. Oh, wow. I'm a mess. And then he got. And you know, crying like I'm doing now, because just it was a miracle. And I mean he really felt like he had been so lonely. And the relationships that he felt in that group changed him. And I can't say that it was, you know, it took some time for him to be restored and a lot of love. And he still had his bumps, but he hangs on to God. And, you know, if some of you are feeling that, I wish I could say, yep, in a year it's all going to change. But it may not. I don't know what God's plan is. But a God can keep transforming you through that, yeah. and so he has to say he got his driver's license. And then he went off to all these countries to lead youth corps. So anyway, I, I've given it over to God, um, and uh, it, it is kind of like the story of maybe you've heard this is Butterf- butterfly. butterfly. Um, the you know the. What's it called?
1: Caterpillar. The caterpillar's
2: in there in the cocoon, and you, know, you start to see him come out, and he's struggling. <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to help him. I'm going to open up the cocoons so we can get out. But the only way they become a butterfly is through the struggle. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And yeah, that's, I really
2: believe that, for, especially for our kids. The only way they're going to get it is they have to go through their own struggle. Okay, I don't mean, know where I am at time, so I better go fast. The second um, thing that's gone through, and this has been very close, is our daughter Elena... In 2015, was diagnosed with lupus nephritis. Um, some of you, if you listen to the news, Selena Gomez, she had this, and she has it, and it's it's a it's a, it's really rough. Um, it causes for her her body to attack her kidneys, and so her kidneys don't function correctly. And you know we have gone through constant doctor appointments. Um, She has had to do blood work and, you know, get in her veins, find a vein constantly. She's been on all kinds of medication. Um, And she wasn't even able to get out of bed. And she still has those moments. I I wish I could say, hey, she's totally healed, but she's not. She's still in it. Um, And many times I was, why? You know, it's like, God, I went through the stuff with Noah. Aren't we done? Yes. Aren't we done with the struggle? Right. Mm-hmm. And God was like, nope. You still need to rely on me. You mm-hmm. still need to trust me. Mm. Um, and, you know, it, and I wish, you know, I, I, and it, it's been hard. I mean, she um, we homeschooled her, which was hard for her. It made it very lonely for her. Mm-hmm. Teenagers don't know how to connect when somebody has chronic illness. So even in the church, out of the church, she she really didn't have friendships. I became her closest friend, which was great, but it was hard. Um, But you know what? In the midst of this, somehow God has worked in her heart to help her to become a Christian. She was actually baptized here at Virginia Beach four years ago. And the other thing that's amazing is she wrote a book. It's called Dancing in the Minefield, Rejoicing Through Life's Storms. And we have a here of it. It's an amazing book and it's very real and very raw. But, you know, Brett was writing a book. She's like, I'm going to write a book. <laughs> and it's just, it's blown my mind that she could go through that. And, you know, it stripped me of my self reliance again. And it constantly does. Even at the conference, I've had to pray God take care of her, God take care of her, you know. And in the midst of all this, I have to remember that God cares about my children
4: mm-hmm.
2: and my husband. You know, His goal, and I keep thinking, God, when's the when's the breath? When's that? And God's like, you know what? My goal isn't for you to like for things to be great and things to be. It's not. My goal is for you to be close to me. For your kids to make it to heaven. For your family to make it to heaven, and that's going to mean a lot of struggle. And so I think about, and and so it's not going to be a stress free life, and I think about James 1, where it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let let us, uh, wait a minute, let's, what is it?
1: Let perseverance finish its
2: work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything in God. And God has taught me compassion, He's taught me to slow down because many days it's just her and I together. I have fibromyalgia as well, so it's it's been a very interesting time. I have to know that that's okay, and I have to remember that staying close to him is the goal. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I mean. And I hope that you can feel that as well.
3: Amen. Wow. Okay, so crying on that one. Um, I don't know what your challenge is and we've we've heard about career transitions I've I've actually been fired working for the church twice Um, I've had to fight for my career right right now I'm a but you know God's amazing and you know here we have a Microsoft leader in the industry I'm responsible for the websites you may have heard, Medicare.gov, Medicaid.gov, Obamacare. Uh, I do the cybersecurity to protect those websites. Um, so God, you know, he, he works in the midst of things. And uh, so I've, I've been through the career transition and I know that's a challenge. Um, being a spouse and going through your children's struggles together Uh, I see some of you are the children here and some of you are the parents. I hope for the children they got some compassion on their parents. I know you'll never get it, but just say thanks to your mom and dad, please.
1: Because
3: you know what's going to happen is your parents are going to age. And, and, you know, we're going to be old. And if you're the kids, you're going to have to take care of us. And for those of us who are in that sandwich generation, right, where you're taking care of your kids and they're struggling, in the midst of it, of all the things that were shared, we lost all four parents. Oh, wow. So Beth's mom, uh, in 2006, was, was, had a heart surgery that led to uh, some pulmonary, uh, what's it called, uh, fibrosis, and, and so she never recovered, was on a respirator. We had to make those decisions when she's on her bed. Uh, dying, do we keep her alive or not? you know, and we learned the value of planning ahead, and if you have parents in that situation, you got to make sure they have a will, they have an advanced directive and and plan ahead because you don't know. Then with my mom, she died suddenly of a heart attack uh, in two thousand and eight, and it was one of those situations where you just don't know how many days you have she was sixty nine so kind of young, at least it feels young now um, <laughs> And then a little bit after that, my dad got a brain tumor. Now the good news about that was, we were able to live, uh, he was able to live nine months. The bad news is nine months where he lost his dignity. (laughs) Where I had to take him into the bathroom and learn things about him I didn't want to learn, as a son. And um, I was, we were doing 24 hour shifts. And so I take the night shift and and I was away from my spouse, you know, and, and the pressure that it put on her. As well as me. I'm trying to work a job at night. I'm taking care of my dad and, and watching him die and, and how difficult that is. And, and then, um, you know, we went through the challenge of some, uh, let, let's just say that have a will because you never know what relatives will fight over what. Uh, fortunately, my brother was very good hearted through it all uh, and, and was a great, great joy in that. But um, so hard to watch my dad die. And, you know, from that, I think we just, we learned the value of planning ahead. And then uh, Rich, who's in the, the middle there, the, um, probably the best looking one of them all. Um, he, um, he lived to 88, so his wife died, and then he came to church with us for 10 years. Yep. Studied the Bible with them, or tried to. Everybody asked him to study the Bible, wouldn't study the Bible, never became a Christian. So we went through the the pain of sharing our faith and sharing our faith, and none of our parents became Christians. And how how hard that is on your personal faith. Because, wait, we prayed. What did we do wrong? And having to face the disappointment there. Um, And then he fell and went through, you know, once an 88 year old falls, broke his ribs, paralyzed just downhill from there and, we, and, and Beth was such a trooper taking care of Elena and taking care of her dad nearly just wearing herself out from the strain wow. so whatever the struggles are they all have one thing in common yes,
1: sir.
3: they actually make us more valuable I mean, I
1: mean, as people as yeah.
3: So when we talk about what is the treasure in the pressure, because the class was called treasure or pressure. I think it's you become a treasure because of pressure, just like the diamond, right? A diamond doesn't become shiny and, and, and hard without intense pressure. And the pressure that you feel in your life, I don't know what it is. I know it's exactly what God is using to make you a treasure. Wow. First Thessalonians 2.19 says, What is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when He comes? Paul's saying, What fires me up the most? What gets me excited about being a Christian? It's you. You're being made into a treasure. I mean, we are God's masterpiece, His handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Sometimes we read that and we think, oh, that was what I used to be until I was flawed by all these, the worries of life and, and just brought down. And, and I'm so, I'm old and tired and limping. And oh my goodness, I, I just can't even touch the net anymore, let alone the rim. And, but no God all those scars are what make you a treasure Amen. and the the very things that we despise I would not wish on anybody for their daughter to have lupus
4: yes Amen.
3: but I think about what it's done in elena's heart and I know very few women her age who have the depth I mean I mean the compassion
4: I see it. Amen.
3: the ability to speak with a level of maturity.
4: Yes.
3: It's hard, mm. but it's deep. Yeah. Amen. And, and you know, I'm gonna close out by showing the true treasures in this whole story. These are God's treasures, because really God is the hero yeah. in it all. And God had this big plan. He's like, I am gonna show the world how awesome I am. I mean, right. Not because these people are great. No but because I can sustain them through the worst challenges of life. I went back and read Job again. It's still hard.
1: <laughs>
3: but it's so deep.
1: Yeah.
3: And you see these people, Job's useless friends,
1: flailing.
3: And I'm like, I had friends like that. They came over and like, you know, you should just, you know, why don't you come to all the services? Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. How <laughs>
3: about how are you doing
1: right, right. <laughs> I, I've had those friends
3: I've been that friend when all people really want is just listen to them they are God's treasure. And you're a part of the process to make sure that under pressure they make it through. And that's the amazing thing about the church community. As I think about what God has done in, in creating these treasures, we are so much more valuable. <laughs> I became a Christian at 17. I knew nothing. (laughs)
1: Nothing.
3: Why did they have me preach? (laughs) I could say nothing of
1: value.
3: No wonder they said, I think you should use more scripture. But what you are now, because of God, yeah. and what you're going to become. Okay, yes, that means in two years, God's got another plan.
1: Yeah.
3: And Satan's got another plan. Yeah. Yeah. And what's amazing, you know what I love the most about these conferences is just giving somebody a hug I haven't seen in five or ten years and knowing that they made it yeah. another five or ten years. Yeah. Come on, buddy. We got a long road ahead of us. Yeah baptized at 17. I'm older than that now. I turned 54. God's been shaping my character for all those years. I don't need to do anything to speak except for pray. Because God's been working on me all this time. And you have a message. And God has a message and His message is you.
4: I mean.
3: yeah. you are his treasure. Yeah, Thank you for coming. Yeah. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. I, I am going to make one self-serving announcement that um, I do have two books that I've written and we have Elena's book. If you're interested in getting, downstairs you can pay $14 for my uh, Aliens and Strangers and $12 for First Love. Up here you can pay $10. Don't hey. tell Tony. Um, and we also have Elena's book. If you're a student or teen, it's only $5. Oh. Awesome. Thank you for coming. Love you guys. Amen.